So for the last two weeks, we've been talking about heaven and from Revelation 21 and what the vision that John got, what heaven's going to be like, what it's going to kind of look like, what's going to happen on that last day. And so now today, we are taking a look at Jesus when he ascended up into heaven. It's one of those things we confess in the creed that we just said, he ascended into heaven, but we really don't talk too much about it. And so I wanted to do that this morning, so we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 1. And so you can follow along on the screen, or if you have your own Bible, I'm going to read the first uh, five verses here. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So one thing I hope that you've started to learn from me is I like to figure out what's going on in a particular passage. Because when reading scripture, one of the biggest tips I can give you is, is if you just open up the Bible and start reading, it can be very confusing. Does anybody agree with that? The Bible can be confusing. Yeah, and so what I've been talking about is how every single thing in the Bible is connected together by the crimson thread, and it's one narrative of events. There's not one wasted word or sentence in all of Scripture. So like I said, it can be confusing if you just open up your Bible. So I'm going to show you an example of this. I'm opening up to a random uh, passage here, and let me read this to you. And Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat, and Ehud reached with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt of the sword also went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly. And the dung came out. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if I just read that passage to you with no context at all, what in the world's going on, right? I'll just give you a brief version. If you want to learn more about this, go to the book of Judges. By the way, there's a lot of exciting things like that in the book of Judges. It would make for a good movie if anybody wants to make a movie. But now let's go back to Acts. This can be one of those confusing things. So I said we're going to talk about the ascension of Jesus. And, and the writer here talks about in the first book, O Theophilus. What is he talking about here? Well, it's helpful to know that the writer of Acts is Luke, the Apostle Luke who wrote the book of Luke. And he's writing it to a guy named Theophilus. And in so the book of Luke, he is telling Theophilus that all about Jesus's earthly life and ministry. And now in this book, his second book, 
he is going to tell Theophilus about the work of the apostles after Jesus ascended into heaven. And so it's also very helpful to understand that Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. So he was very orderly and detailed, which is why Luke has a lot more details than some of the other Gospels, because he was very detailed and, and thorough. So in these first five verses here that I read to you, Luke also brings up that Jesus has been around now for 40 days since he rose from the dead. So it's, today is 40 days from Easter. So why 40 days? Does that ring a bell with anybody? 40. Do you think this is an accident or coincidence? So for example, this is not random that Jesus is presenting himself. So Jesus rose from the dead. He's shown himself to many people, proved that Yes, he has risen from the dead, his body, and he is alive. For 40 days he's been doing this. It's not a random thing. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights on Noah and the ark. The children of Israel were in the desert for 40 years. Jesus fasted in the wilderness after he was baptized for 40 days. And now there's 40 days between the time Jesus rose from his, the dead, and when Jesus is going to ascend back up to heaven. So what's the deal with this 40? Obviously, a point is being made here in God's word. Whenever you see the number 40 in the Bible, this is a season of preparation. God is preparing his people for something. In all those other cases, that's what is going on. And now Jesus is spending 40 days preparing his disciples before his ascension. And so that's what's going on here. They were going to be, these disciples, an extremely important part of his plan of spreading the good news. We talked about the good news with the children just a little bit ago. So let's see how the disciples react to this, this awesome thing that Jesus is going to have them do. Verses 6 through 8. So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the end of the earth. So once again, we see the disciples are very confused about what's going on. So they've now seen Jesus die on the cross, which he told them a long time that it was going to happen. He was going to die. Three days later, he would rise again. Jesus did that. And now Jesus has been spending 40 days with them showing them that he is alive and preparing them for when he's going to be gone. And the disciples try to direct Jesus' attention back to something that they want. They still want and think Jesus is going to be this earthly king like King David was 
and establish Israel as the world power, and they would get to be by his side and rule the world. You know, they say, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still confused. You know, the disciples are funny guys, aren't they? And then, in no way do the disciples act like us, correct? Obviously, I say that with my tongue in my cheek. I like to use myself as an example because I don't like to pick on other people as much. It's easy to pick on myself. But I've shared this with you. I've been pretty upfront with you. I fought tooth and nail about the job I'm currently doing. And it was even to the point where during the vicarage service, when that took place at the seminary in 2018, my family went into the chapel and I stayed in the car. I told my wife, I'm not going in. I don't want to go get my assignment, which was to you lovely people, of course. <laughs> but I sat in that car because it was not part of my plan at all. See, I was trying to convince Jesus like I was confused. I was comfortable where I was at. Well, obviously that didn't work, and I became your vicar. But then I had made a deal with my wife who continually encouraged me and said I couldn't quit. I said, well, okay, I'll finish this degree, but then I'll go get another job. Okay. So that was me telling God again what I was going to do. So now then I become a pastor, become your pastor. And I was like, okay, I'll be an associate pastor. I can do that. Because that was, that was comfortable, you know, having a senior pastor above me. And then you know the rest of the story. So one thing I have learned is don't tell God what you're not going to do. And I'm not kidding. And the disciples continually have done this. They're, they're always confused and they're always trying to draw things back to the earthly world. You know, and we can easily get caught up in that same exact thing. Thinking of the worldly things and we completely miss what God is guiding and directing us to do. And this can especially happen when we find ourselves comfortable. And the disciples had definitely gotten comfortable with Jesus. Jesus was there. He was doing the teaching and the preaching. He was doing very cool things, miracles, healing people, raising people from the dead. They got comfortable being his followers. And now Jesus is telling them that he's going to be leaving. And they want to know if he's going to establish some kind of earthly kingdom. But does Jesus leave them all by themselves? Of course not. He says in the next note on your sheets, Jesus tells them, and us by the way, power and help is on the way. And so 10 days from this Ascension, Jesus' ascension, the Holy Spirit's going to come and give those same disciples that were scared and terrified the night Jesus was arrested, they all abandoned Jesus. The Holy Spirit is going to come and give them the power to preach the good news even in the face of death. And by the way, all of them except John died horrible deaths because they would not stop preaching the Holy Gospel. Well, how could they do this? 
You notice that Jesus didn't give them a pep talk or give them a self-help book or tell them to just have positive thoughts about stuff. He gave them the Holy Spirit, which he gives to you and I as well. We're not on our own. We're not by ourselves in this faith walk. We're not by ourselves when we witness our faith. And we live in a world that could use some good news, am I right? I mentioned the mass shooting in Uvalde. It's dominated our news cycle for a week now. There's so much evil and sin in our world, and it, it can get us to the point of asking God, why? Why does this happen? Why do you allow this to happen? But he gave us the Holy Spirit to get through these kinds of things. We are not alone. Let's move on in Acts chapter 1, the last three verses here. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as Jesus went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So these verses here, we get the ascension. And so the thing that jumps out at me here is, is what's the deal with this cloud? Was this some kind of magic cloud that took Jesus up, like, you know, like the magic carpet in Aladdin? Why, why do we get this detail here? And these are the kinds of things I hope you guys start picking up on when we talk about the Bible being one narrative events. When else have you seen a cloud show up in the Bible? This is intentional yet again by Luke to point us to this. In the Old Testament, when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments and when Moses went up to talk to God, what, was, what engulfed the mountain? A cloud. What guided the children of Israel by day through the, the desert? A cloud. This is showing us that Jesus is God. Whenever that cloud appears, it's God's presence. God is there. This is just proving to those disciples and those standing there watching that Jesus is true God and true man. Because when that cloud shows up, pay attention. So I have a question for you guys to ponder this Memorial Day weekend. Just like those angels talked to the disciples as they were, and can we really fault them? If you just saw somebody start going up into the sky, you'd probably kind of stare too for a while, wouldn't you? But anyway, I got this question for you. It's on the screen. Men and women, boys and girls of promise. Why do you stand or sit looking into heaven wondering why Jesus has not come back yet and stop all this sin and suffering? Why do we just stand looking, observing? Jesus not only gave those disciples a job to do, he gave us a job to do. He prepared them for 40 days for when he was going to be gone. 
And they had the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and preach the good news, as I said, to the point of being killed for it. We have that same Holy Spirit. We are not alone. We are never alone. Even when things are going on in this world that are horrible and it seems like God is not there and it seems like all there is is bad stuff going on, he is with us. Jesus did go up, up, but he is not away. And Megan read this passage, and I want to read it again. So this ties in with the Acts chapter that we just read. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus gives these words also to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. And, and we call this passage, by the way, the Great Commission. This is our mission statement of what we are to do as his sons and daughters. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, Jesus is with us no matter what. His body is not here. We don't see him face to face yet, but he is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us, giving us the power to preach the good news to those that he puts in our path, in our daily life. And we have a job to do. And we can't just be caught standing and sitting and looking. But we know we are going to do this job not by ourselves. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for creating us and making us just the way you want us. Please forgive us for those times we don't take the opportunities you place in front of us to put our faith into action. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to share the good news to all those you do put in our path. Help us to never doubt that you can use us in your church here on earth. We come before you this morning lifting up to you so many things. We lift up to you those families that have been affected in Uvalde. We pray that you be with them. Give them hope in the resurrection. We pray that you be with all those that are suffering with sicknesses and, and cancer and depression and all those names that are on our prayer cross. And Father, also on our prayer cross, we pray that if it be your will that the Roe v. Wade is overturned and that we value life at all stages. And Father, we pray that somehow, some way that you can get back into our classrooms in this country. And Father, that we're experiencing some things that some of us never have really seen and there's, there's food shortages, formula shortages. We pray that you help us not to doubt that you will provide and take care of us. And Father, we pray for our, this Memorial Day week and we pray for our government officials. We pray that you be with them and we pray that they seek you in all that they do and not themselves. And we know that with you as our king and our leader, 
all things are going to work out. Please be with us here at Promise, helping us always to keep our eyes fixed on you. And finally, we bring to you our heartfelt thanks for loving us enough to send your son Jesus, who took the full force of your wrath on our behalf. And we thank you, Jesus, for always being with us. We know that you promised you were going to be with us, and you are always going to be with us, and we thank you. And we now pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom.